in um, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Um, I've kind of gotten used to coming to the pulpit with more to say than I'm going to have time to say. So, uh, But I just make that statement this morning to say that there's no way we'll be able to get everything in this morning that we need to get to. That's why we have an evening service, and that's also why we have uh, video, audio, podcast, all of that available for those of you who aren't able to make it back. Um, you can still get the balance of, of, of these uh, teachings. And, um, and I, I really, really, really believe that the Lord is breathing on this right now for us as a family of faith and that it's critically important, not just given the time in which we live. See, a lot of times we, um, look at me for a moment, a lot of times we, we look at, at the time in which we live and we think, well, man, you know, we got to respond to this, we got to be ready for this, we got to deal with this and so forth and so on. I'm not saying that's wrong, but listen to me. Your Heavenly Father doesn't work that way. He's preparing you today for what He knows is coming tomorrow. Amen. He's, he's, he said the Holy Spirit would show you things to come. Amen. And so we see that He's always thinking, not just for right now, present, but He's also preparing us for the things that are ahead. And so when I say the Holy Spirit is breathing on this right now for this season, I'm not saying that it's not for today. It's not for your life right now. But it's also, I believe, Him preparing us for things that are coming. Amen. Romans chapter 8, and um, we'll begin at verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. If you underline things in your Bible, I want you to somehow underline or highlight or draw a circle around law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and then the last phrase in verse number two the law of sin and death a lot of times when we're reading over this especially because this verse or these verses are are so well known and recognized for the opening sentence or the opening phrase in verse one there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus we kind of tend to accelerate through these next few verses without really paying attention to what they're saying and what they're saying my friend is critically important as a matter of fact these verses are as important as anything you'll find in the Word of God when it comes to living the life and how to live the life that that God created you to live that he recreated you in Christ Jesus to live so law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death verse number three for what the law could not do and then it was weak through the flesh God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, however it was that you felt led or chose to, to make a notation of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of sin and death, I want you to do the same thing for that singular word in verse number three, the word law, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the, through the flesh. That word law there, okay? That word law there is very important. As a matter of fact, this may help you to, to really begin to wrap your heart and mind and understanding around these is if you think of them as, as, as being numbered, um, one, two, and three, okay? Uh, one, two, and three, because he's talking about three different laws here that very important for us to understand, all right? Let me go ahead and get verses five and six, and then we'll talk about this this morning. For those 
who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. This means to have a fleshly mindset. To be fleshly minded, to have a fleshly mindset is death, but to be spiritually minded, to have a spiritual mindset is both life and peace. Now, in these verses, we see, again, to spell it out for you, we see the mentioning of three different laws. The first one was the last one mentioned, but I'm, I'm putting it number one on the list, and that's the law of Moses. The reason I'm putting it first on the list is because this is the first one that, that we are uh, reminded of or that we find, so to speak, as far as the chronological order of Scripture. We see in the Old Testament, all the way back in the book of Exodus, that this is where um, Father God gave the law um, through His servant Moses. And so the law of Moses is often uh, thought of in terms of the Ten Commandments, okay? And you wouldn't be wrong if you thought of it as the Ten Commandments. But in addition to the ten written in stone, there was about 600 more that God gave by way of, of commands or ordinances that became the law code, if you will, for God's people under the Old Covenant. All right. So again, Law of Moses, we see the law of sin and death and then the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So of that list of three, the one most people know something about would be the first one, the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments. May not can quote all ten of them from heart by memory, but again, um, if we were going to give some percentage to it, I would say you know, upwards of 80, 90% of people are more familiar with the law of Moses than the other two on the list. Right? Is that fair enough? Is that a fair assessment? Yes? Are you with me this morning? Are you okay? Now, before we really dive in this morning to where I think we're going to wind up being, I want you to turn with me to Exodus, the 24th chapter. Exodus, please, if you will, chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. And we'll look at verses 3 through 8. Exodus chapter 24 verses 3 through 8. Now, when we talk about the law of Moses, we talk about the law of Moses, the laws written in stone, the commandments that were given to God's people in the Old Testament. We see that the Bible talks about them throughout. In other words, you will find plenty of mentions of the law of Moses, just like we right here in Romans, the 8th chapter where we looked at it a moment ago. You will find the law of Moses mentioned multiple times throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. What I want to begin to introduce to you this morning, or if it's already been introduced to you, build upon this morning, is that the law of Moses takes on an entirely different perspective in light of what Jesus did for us and what he has put in us, you know, New Testament born-again believers, compared to what they had under the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, all right? And so I'm bringing you to Exodus 24 because this is where the covenant and the, the let me 
Amen. I know we need some more teaching here, but a covenant, think of it to simplify it, think of it as an operating agreement. Okay? Um, if, you've, if you've ever uh, worked under contract, um, you have an operating agreement that spells out the responsibilities of the people you're working for and, and your responsibilities. So the old covenant, the Old Testament, it was an operating agreement between God and His people. And in that operating agreement, uh, these commandments and ordinances were spelled out. They were listed. Are you with me? Amen. Now, this covenant or this contract, it was ratified, put into effect by God with His people, and it's recorded here for us in Exodus chapter 24. So let's go through these verses. Verse number 3, So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. That word judgments there in the New King James Version uh, is uh, translated ordinances in other translations. So he's just talking about all of these things that God commanded, all of these things that God instructed. Look at me real quick. I'm not going to try to even scratch the surface of these things. But this included more than just thou shalt nots. This included things like feast days. This included things like um, uh, particular practices of worship and, and the building of the tabernacle and, 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 and even all the way down to what the priests were supposed to wear, their garments, their, their um, uniform, if, if you will. All of these things were spelled out in very specific details. And so once all of that was downloaded from God to Moses, Moses then presents it to the people. He gives them not just the Ten Commandments, but all of these other instructions, ordinances, uh, rules, uh, commands, if you will, from God. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. You ever been in one of those business meetings where they go, all in favor say aye, and it's kind of like, you don't hear one voice, you just hear a, almost like a crescendo of voices and they all just kind of go, aye, you know, and all opposed. You know, it's like that one guy that's going, I'm opposed, but I'm not about to be the only one that says no, right? Anyway, so that's kind of what was going on here, all in favor. And so the people formally responded, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the history of these people, how did that work out for them? <laughs> did they do it? <laughs> did they even come close to doing it? <laughs> Was it for lack of trying? No, they tried. Amen. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever committed to something that, you know, you were in way over your head when you committed to it. At the moment, you said, yeah, we'll do this. Yeah, I'm all in. Yes, where do I sign? You know, and then all of a sudden later, you, you, buyer's remorse. You just realized you, you signed for a payment that was more than you were interested in, pay, whatever, you know. So the people were willing and they were in agreement and they committed, okay? But we see that they failed miserably in carrying out or performing their end of the contract, their side of the bargain, all right? Verse 4, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. So this is a formal thing here. 
I mean, this isn't just like sitting around eating hot dogs and, you know, deciding we're going to do this. This is very formal, a very, uh, you know, serious. Um, and so let's keep reading. Verse 5. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. All right? So maybe I am oversimplifying this. I've been accused of oversimplifying things, but you've got to start with a basic understanding in order to build from there. So we see that God gives these things to Moses. Moses gives them to the people, and the people agree. Once the people have agreed, if, you, if this was a real estate transaction, um, it would be, um, you know, the first part that we read would be both parties agreeing to the terms of the contract. The second part that we're reading about now would be when you sit down at the closing table. Are you, are you following me? In other words, now, now we're about to close. We, we agreed on this contract maybe a little while ago. It, it's going to take a while to build pillars. It's going to take a while to build this altar. So it wasn't like this happened, you know, in the morning before lunch and then after lunch later that day, right? There was at least some period of time in between their initial agreement to the terms of the covenant and now we're coming to the formal signing. Now it's about to be ratified. Are you with me? All right. So he again then took the book of the covenant and he read in the hearing of the people. This was going to take him a little while, by the way. It's not, you know, he's not going to read for like three minutes and it's be over. This is going to take a while. But again, he read in the hearing of the people and they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. We will obey. We agree to this and we will do it. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Now, if you're a bit squeamish this morning, I'm not trying to gross you out, but let's go back to what happened here. The young men were commanded to go and make the sacrifices. They made the sacrifices on the altar, but they preserved the blood. We don't exactly know how much blood this was, but it was a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood in one ox, right? And we don't exactly know how many sacrifices were made. But they bring the blood back, and the blood is then divided in half, and half is poured out on the altar. The other half, the other half is sprinkled on the people after they agree to the terms of the covenant. Are you with me? After they say, yes, we'll do it. Yes, we agree. Yes, we will obey. Yes, we will do everything that you just commanded us to do. Count us in. We're, we're a part of this. We want in on this. Because remember, and again, I'm not going to take the time to read all of it, but there was plenty of promises made that what God would do for them, how He would bless them if they would obey and do what He instructed them to do. Of course, the other side of that coin was if they did not obey all that was instructed for them to do, they would fall under the punishment or the curse. Okay, So they agreed. 
Moses took a branch, it's called a hyssop branch, H-Y-S-S-O-P. And if you've ever seen um, deer antlers, uh, when they still, uh, before all the, the fur, the velvet, um, is, is, is uh, scraped off of them by the deer, that's basically what a hyssop branch looked like. It had some nap to it. It, it, it wasn't just a, a smooth stick, but it, it was a stick that, that had uh, uh, almost like it was covered in velvet itself. And so he took that branch, that, the hyssop branch that had the, the, the velveteen uh, type uh, texture to it, and he dipped it in those lavers or those basins of blood and he walked around to the people and he would take that blood, that branch and he would do his arm like that, you know, swing it real hard and stop it real fast. And when the end of that branch would whip, it, the blood that had soaked into that velveteen texture would be released and it would spray out uh, on, on the people. Amen. Now, obviously, things being ratified in blood were commanded by God. Blood covenants as, as old basically as, as mankind himself um, this was something practiced by, um, by heathen people. Uh, we know that God entered into a blood covenant with Abraham not because he needed a covenant to keep his word, but it was, he did it for Abraham's sake because it was something that Abraham uh, was familiar with. And now this God that has entered into covenant with Abraham, um, you know, it, it, it was God did this. So, so covenant and a covenant being ratified by blood, this maybe is a little foreign to you and me, uh, in our culture today, but this was something that all these people were very well familiar with. As a matter of fact, the, the blood and, and, the, and the slaughtered animals um, were basically saying, if we don't uphold our end of this agreement, may we be slaughtered like these animals. And so for it to, um, how do I say this? For, for the gravity of this, the seriousness of this, to, to really register with them, um, God instructed Moses to dip that hyssop branch in the laver of that blood and go around and, 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 and spray the people, slinging that blood on the people. Now, again, you know, I don't, all of you look so nice this morning. You know, we don't have like some formal dress code here at Heritage. And, and, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm sure those are some of the nicest clothes you have in your closet. You know, can you imagine all of a sudden if, if I was just to walk around here with a hyssop branch full of ox blood and sling it all over everybody? Amen. Well, it, more than likely, it would, it would not be a Sunday morning that you soon forgot. You know, that's like, man, you know, Pastor, that was one of your more memorable sermons. You know, would you please hand me that towel? You know, um, all right. So, and that was the point. That was the point. That, that this marked them, that, this, this, that they remember this moment when this agreement was made with God and what they promised to do and what God promised to do. Amen. Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew, the 26th chapter. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 26. And verse 26. Aren't you glad we're not under that old agreement any longer? That was kind of weak. Aren't you glad we're not under that old agreement any longer? Amen. Amen. And, and so listen to me, please. Thank you for that hearty yes and amen and a few hand claps. Amen. 
Why do so many people still live like we are? We're not under that old agreement anymore. We're not under that system anymore. Our righteousness is not based upon our obedience. Our right standing with God is based upon a gift that we've received by faith through the new birth when we received our salvation. Matthew chapter 26. Let's begin this time in verse number 26. Matthew 26 and 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. Drink from it, all of you. All right, so I think most of you figured out what's going on here. Jesus is celebrating Passover with his disciples. This was one of the feasts that the old covenant commanded be carried out. And it was to be unleavened bread because remember it was bread eaten in haste when that first Passover and all the families that had the blood on the doorpost, the death angel passed over and they ate that bread in haste because they were going to quickly leave Egypt for the promised land. But we also see, so, so eat it in haste. In other words, if you put yeast in bread, who knows what, what you have to do. You have to wait for the, the yeast or the leaven to react with the dough and it causes the dough to rise. So they ate bread with no leavening in it. They ate bread with no yeast in it because number one, they, they, they weren't going to wait for it to rise. But here's the other thing, because Jesus is not just celebrating the Passover with his disciples, but he is the Passover. Are you understand what I'm saying? If you look carefully at this supper, we see that they drank from the cup and they ate the bread, but there's no mention of a lamb. Now, under the ordinances, there, there was to be a lamb served at this dinner. But there was no lamb served when Jesus had Passover with his disciples because it was symbolic of him now becoming the Passover lamb. They didn't eat a lamb that night. And I'm sure some of them were like, what in the world, man? Why are we not having lamb? We're supposed to have lamb, right? Maybe, you know, I don't know, we didn't have time to get a lamb. I don't know, no, none of that, right? It was all symbolic. Amen. Now, here is, listen to me please, the yeast in the bread, in the dough, represents corruption. It doesn't just represent bread eaten in haste. The leaven is, is a, it's, um, it's, a, it's a living uh, organism that's introduced into the dough and that living organism causes fermentation and the fermentation releases gas uh, and that's what causes the dough to rise. 
So when he said no leaven in the bread, the unleavened bread, he wasn't just saying so that you can eat it in a hurry. But again, with Jesus, he is our Passover, right? And there's no corruption in him. Amen. Now, praise God. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Praise God. No corruption in him. The same is true with his blood. Represented by grape juice this morning with no corruption in it. We don't, we don't use wine in, in, the, in the Lord's Supper because in the same way that there's no leaven in the bread, there was to be no leaven, no corruption in the juice. That's what creates the alcohol content in wine. It's the fermentation process, right, that releases it and, 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 and the decay. So again, it's no leaven in the bread, no leaven in the cup. Because Jesus is our Passover, there's no corruption in His body, and there's no corruption in His blood. Amen. All right, now. So, let's go back over it. Verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples. And He said, Take, eat, this is My body. Then He took the cup, and He gave thanks, and He gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Verse 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, some of you may already be ahead of me this morning. Why are we reading these two passages? We're reading them so that we can compare them. We see that when the first covenant was ratified between God and His people, it was an animal that was sacrificed and there was blood in a laver, in a basin, and Moses took that blood at the, on a hyssop branch and he sprinkled it on the people. He sprinkled it on them externally. When Jesus handed them the cup and said, this is not the blood of an animal, this is the blood of the new covenant, this is my blood, He did not say, dip your fingers in it and splash it on the people sitting around you. He didn't say, splash it on the outside of you, but He said, drink it and take it into the inside of you. All of this, amen, all of this significant because what the work of the new covenant is going to do for us, it's going to do what the old covenant could not do. The old covenant was an external standard of, of commandments that we were to try to live up to. The new covenant is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's His blood coming inside of you and changing you not from the outside in, but transforming you and me from the inside out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he said, drink it. Take it into you. Not just something splashed on the outside of you, but something that you can now bring on the inside. Have you not figured out by now 
that our problems are not on the outside, they're on the inside. Have you not figured out by now that if we're ever going to live the life that God created us to live, we've got to have the wherewithal inside of us to do it, and we've got to figure out how to tap into something that's inside of us to strengthen us. This is why the Bible says when you've done everything you know to do to stand, to keep standing, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, because the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you, making alive every cell of your physical body. You could have told them folks under the old covenant, you need to try harder. You need to dig deeper. You need to dig inside of yourself, reach inside of yourself. But listen to me. The lights were off and nobody was home. They did not have the wherewithal on the inside of them to live the life that God created them to live. But my brother and my sister, we live in a new day. We live under a new covenant. We live in a day and age where the Holy Spirit of God has now become one spirit with our born again spirits and He lives inside of us. Us, giving us the wherewithal both to heal and to do to live the life that God created you and me to live. Hallelujah. 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 He said, take it into you. Take it into you. Now that law of Moses, it was that external standard. Here's the thing that I was going to explain to you today, but I'll explain it to you tonight, this morning. Amen. That law was given by God knowing that it would never make a man or a woman right before Him, right with Him. Impossible to do it. Not that there was a problem with the law, but what do we read in Romans 8? The problem was us. There's something in our flesh called the law of sin and death that made it impossible for us no matter how much they meant it when they said we'll do it we'll obey we'll live up to it we we'll follow them we'll we'll obey those commands we'll follow those ordinances we'll live our lives by them and we'll raise our children to live their lives by them i believe they were sincere when they said it and they stood there like soldiers and took the spray of the ox blood like men and women with their jaws squared and their and their wheels and and, and just they were so determined they made their minds up this is what we're going to do this is the life we're going to live this is the way we're going to go here's the problem. Problem. That blood landing on the outside of them did nothing to fix what was broken on the inside of them. That blood landing on the outside of them did nothing to empower them inwardly to live the life outwardly that they just told God they would live. That law of sin, that law of Moses was given to make us aware of a law inside of our flesh called the law of sin and death. But as born-again believers, my brother and my sister, we have a greater law, deeper still. We now have the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus inside of our born-again spirit. And as we learn how to operate in that law, remember, it takes a law to overcome another law. And the only way to overcome the results of the law of sin and death is to operate in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's why he said the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's not something on the outside. It's something he put on the inside. Amen. Singers and musicians, would you come please? Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. This is why we can confidently say, 
You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Come on now. Greater is he who is in me. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The enemy of your soul who is in the world, when he was cursed in the Garden of Eden, Father said, you'll eat dust. Your flesh, my friend, was made from what? It was made from dust. The enemy tries to manipulate the law of sin and death that is present in your members. When you were born again, your flesh was not born again. And I'm not trying to, to frustrate you or disappoint you this morning, but what you've got to understand is that as long as you have the physical body that you have right now, the law of sin and death will be present in the members of that physical body. Romans 7 tells us this. That's not a death sentence. That's not, woe, poor is, woe is me, poor, pitiful me. No, no. He's saying you've got to recognize, you've got to own it if you can disown it. You've got to recognize that there's something going on in your flesh that willpower alone cannot overcome. Willpower alone is no match for the law of sin and death because willpower is not a law. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is. And the results that that law will produce in your life will enable you to rise above and live above the law of sin and death. Amen. 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 Those who are going to serve communion, if you would please come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of Him. Now, when He told us to do this in remembrance of Him, I don't believe that He just simply meant don't forget who Jesus is. But I believe He's talking about something much deeper than that, right? To not forget what He's done for us. To not forget what He's put inside of us. Amen. 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 As they're coming and, and getting ready to serve, if you would, just bow your heads for a moment, please. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, I've never received this gift of righteousness, this abundance of grace, this, this salvation that you spoke of this morning. I, 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 I've, never, I've never been saved. I've never, I've never received this gift, but this morning I'd like to receive it. Could I just see your hand? You say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I've never been born again, but today, today is my day. I'd like to receive salvation. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Amen. 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 All right, I want to pray for you as they're, as they're uh, serving you. Father, thank you this morning for every person in this room. And I thank you, Father, that you have brought us to this place so that your purposes can prosper among us. Father, we may look at this as just another Sunday morning that we happen to wander into a church. But, Lord, that's not how you look at it. You see this as providence, as destiny. And Lord, I thank you today that you are speaking and we're hearing you and we're receiving the wisdom and the grace that Jesus has so abundantly provided for us. Father, as we humble ourselves and obey the instructions of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that our simple act of faith and obedience is going to produce tremendous results in our lives and families. Some that will be immediately recognized, others, Father, 
that will occur down the road, but we know this morning that you're working on our behalf in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you would, please listen very carefully to the instructions as you're being served. Um, if you would, hold your emblems until everyone has been served, and then we'll all partake together. If you're a guest with us this morning, this is not about, you know, membership at Heritage Christian Center. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you're a member of us and we're a member of you. And we would love for everyone um, who's born again to partake of communion together this morning. Amen. Just remain in an attitude of worship as you're being served. And, um, and then we'll all partake together. Praise God. Mm -hmm.